The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Airstory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for a special unnumbered episode as we talk with in-house copywriter Allison Komodo about how she ended up working as a copywriter, landing a job at Stansberry Research, what she does on a daily basis, and whether the Agora companies really are the mecca of copywriting. Welcome, Allison. Hey, Allison. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to have you, Allison. So let's start with your story and how you ended up as a copywriter. I mean, I know that a lot of people say that they kind of fall into a career, especially in something like copywriting. But I mean, there is really no other way to describe the way I kind of fell in a very short, steep hill and be becoming a copywriter. I was a senior at Hopkins last spring, and I was in the thick of the senior year job hunt. And I was a writing major. So my full focus was in poetry and professional writing, which definitely had more of a corporate feel. So I was writing everything from marketing plans to persuasive papers, that kind of thing. And then I did minor in marketing communications because I really liked the creativity of marketing, how it is constantly evolving. It was a really nice foil to all the liberal arts classes that I was taking along with them. And as for general work experience. Obviously, it was limited because I was still in college, but it was all mostly in PR and communications. So I was a PR intern at a local ad agency that was very traditional PR, like cold calling small newspapers across the country and getting hung up on that kind of thing. And then I was a global communications intern for Under Armour, which was kind of a fancy description of someone who packed up and sent thousands of pairs of shoes to important magazines and other media outlets all over the world. So I liked PR a lot, and I think it's a great field for someone who loves people, which you do. But when you're in PR, the story kind of arrives on your lap fully baked, and all that's left to do is push it out. And I had a much greater interest in crafting the story myself. And so throughout all four years of college, and even at these sort of more pigeonholed internships, I found myself kind of hustling my way into what I realize now were more copy-oriented projects. I wrote blogs for Hopkins Submissions. I wrote website copy for Under Armour's B2B websites. I kind of forced myself onto all the creatives at the ad agency I was working at. So really anything I could do to take more ownership of that more appealing storytelling component of marketing PR was what I wanted to do. And then sort of out of the blue, thanks to some sort of algorithm, I got an email from Glassdoor about the Stansbury Copywriter Bootcamp. I would strongly encourage anybody to Google that job description because it is straight up awesome copy. It was essentially a sales letter from Mike Palmer encouraging you to give copy a try if you were a voracious reader, a really hard worker, a self-starter, an entrepreneur looking for a home. And it essentially sounded like an opportunity to get paid, get your PhD in what's arguably the most pervasive and lucrative writing and storytelling that there is. And he didn't mention anything about finance or experience level, which is great because I had none of that. Like a really freakishly high base salary for somebody straight out of college and looking at agency positions. I remember I sent it to my mom and I was like, I don't have the complete picture, but who does this sound like? I have got to try this. So I sent in everything and heard back about a week later. And for the boot camp itself, we had to submit something like 10 ads and two leads and two advertorials for a couple of their most successful packages at that time. 
I totally thought I was in over my head. I had no idea what an advertorial was. I didn't know a thing about finance or the stock market. I had been reading poetry for four years in the library. And I was really just doing as much reading and research as I could possibly fit alongside midterms for those two weeks of prep. And yeah, I faked most of it. And the boot camp itself was kind of crazy intense two-day affair. It started with a happy hour. And there was something like 200 applicants. They invited back 15. And I remember sort of mingling and learning everybody's name and background. And I watched them just kind of write me off as soon as I mentioned that I was still in college and had absolutely zero experience in anything close to writing long-form direct sales copy, especially in the financial sector. And then the next day, we took all of the work that we had submitted as like sort of the spec assignments for the boot camp. And we edited all in groups, these really intense group breakout sessions. And I remember just trying to contribute as much as humanly possible. And I know, I really recall that half of my sessions were marked as either neutral or actually having a negative effect on the copy that we were reviewing. But it just meant more to get your thoughts and feelings out there and try to be remembered at the interview. And we had these speed dating interviews with every member of the Sansbury copy team, went to a baseball game. I mean, it was really something else in terms of any job interview that I'd ever had. And then on the following Wednesday, I just got called in for a very intense one-on-one interview with Mike. And that night they offered me the job. And then I've just been kind of trying to learn copy and tackle that uphill battle ever since. So I'm assuming you had no idea that Agora or Stansbury was this awesome place to develop copywriters where copywriters around the world really want to work. You just kind of found it through sheer luck in some ways. Yeah. And it's funny because summer after my sophomore year of college, I actually worked at an internship at Agora without even really understanding what that meant. It was this editorial position. I did social media and posted e-letters and stuff like that for like five hours a day for three months. And all of their copywriters were freelance. So I just never even looked at copy, touched copy, did not understand that part of the business at all. Never watched a VSL. It was crazy to kind of put together this picture and be like, Wait, I ended up back here and I, I'm a copywriter here now and I'm working in finance as opposed to health. And so I, I had gotten this little taste, but it was nothing like what it's like to be a copywriter at Sansbury. Yeah, I love the story. So I want to know week one, you know, first day, second day, did you jump into copy? I imagine you're drinking from the fire hose. Tell us about those first few days. For sure. Yeah, they were definitely thrown into the deep end and start treading water kind of situation. So we initially were structured where we each had a copy mentor who was one of the more experienced, we call them experienced juniors or the experienced writers. They've been around writing copy every four or five, six years. My mentor was out for the first week. So I definitely felt like I was sitting there, not really twiddling my thumbs because we had assignments we had to work on every day. So I would lift one day, an advertorial the next day, a lead the next day, and we would sort of this peer review with all of our other juniors. There are six juniors on the team, four hired from the copy bootcamp and two others came in a little bit before that, but we're all pretty much the same experience level. And so that first week that I was reading and copying End of America by hand, I was scoring and rating the copy of my peers, reading everything we had in circulation, all the editorial content. And we have an idealist that we maintain and share with our mentor. And I was peeling off the first ones of those. And I can I look back at my first week and I'm like, these are the worst ideas that have ever been brought to fruition and recorded on paper. <laughs> yeah. So they had this great structure in place for us when we first started. And then about a month into it, we changed the whole structure of the copy team. And we brought in Patrick Beauvais and Justin Gershwin, who were Stansbury copywriters already, but 
they are now mentoring the two halves of the copy team. So Patrick is mentoring and guiding the six juniors, and Justin is mentoring and guiding the six to eight senior juniors, more experienced writers. And that has been the most intense, invaluable kind of mentorship relationship I think you can have in this industry. He reads my work every day. We meet once a week, talk through everything from getting my first package out the door to writing emails, editorial. He helps me with it all. So it's like an accelerated, thrown into overdrive kind of learning process of the business. Wow. So Allison, you started working there nine months ago. Is that right? I started in June. All right. So I'm actually going to back up a little bit because the boot camp, I mean, it sounds intense and crazy and it sounds like you just showed up and (laughs) contributed and went all out. So what was your biggest takeaway from that boot camp experience that you could offer to other copywriters? I mean, you got the gig, right? Like you got it and you had the interview with Mike Palmer and you were one of how many? 200 people that you mentioned, 200 applicants. So what do you think that you did that got you that job? Oh, I think just kind of talking to the people. I sat down with Mike and Kelly and kind of asked the awkward question, why did you hire me? Better insight into this. And it had a lot to do with sort of knowing as much as you could, but also having a hyper awareness as to what you had to learn. So they do not like to see cover letters with things like, I can revamp your whole marketing. I can make you $6 million my first year. (laughs) So I definitely did all my homework. We had access to their copy archive and their editorial archive, and I read everything. So I knew that from a content perspective, there wasn't a question that I couldn't answer to some degree. But I also had a lot of questions myself, and I went into the day-to-day I wanted to know what it was like to be a Stansbury copywriter. I had a laundry list of things I didn't know but wanted to know. And I think that sort of self-awareness, but gracious willingness to learn and hunger for it is what makes you stand out as a scrappy, self-startery place like Agora. That's what they look for as opposed to somebody who can come in and say, yeah, you know, everything I write for you will be gold in the first year and here's what you're doing wrong. And I know all there is to know about Google search words. That is less what they're looking for. I see in hindsight at the time, I was just trying to give myself any edge I could because I knew that really nothing concrete on my resume was going to give me an edge at all. So you mentioned this idea of mentorship and how you've been benefiting from it as you've worked with the other writers at Agora. I'm really curious about this because we talk to writers all the time who want to start out as freelance copywriters. They hang out their shingle, they start looking for clients, they do that. And oftentimes I think, you know, the best way to really get started as a copywriter, and again, it's different for everybody, but a really good way is to get into a situation like the one that you're in. Can you tell us a little bit more about that mentor relationship and the kinds of things that you do with a mentor that help you improve your skills and the things that you're learning? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really owe any of my success now or my future success to Patrick because he sort of came in at the most vulnerable time that you have as a copywriter, knowing that the value that you have to add is negligible at this point. And you're trying to prove your investment in future value and future worth. And I think a lot of jobs aren't like that. You can kind of come in and start really making a difference and an impact right away. And so that can be kind of daunting and unsettling for somebody in the corporate world. I've been out of the office. I'm a little under the weather these past two days. And we had a phone call yesterday just a complete update on everything we're working on. The front-end package that I'm starting this week, he gives me instant feedback on all my writing. I send him... We have a shared file where we go back and forth and collaborate and he gives me his line-by-line edits, whether it's five pages or 20 pages that I've cranked out in a day or three days. He's giving me feedback. 
He's helping me shape my ideas. He's helping me write my outlines, brainstorming lift angles and subject lines. And even more importantly, just really giving me this understanding of how the copy world works because there are so many approvals to get through, so many little things on a checklist that aren't intuitive. You don't know the right people to talk to. You don't even know the right people to CC on an email. And having that kind of resource to just make it through, not just writing a package, but getting it to studio, getting your parts mocked up, knowing that it has all three or four rounds of approval by all 20 people on your email chain. It sounds so silly, but not knowing that can be the difference between somebody who gets and succeeds right off the bat and who doesn't. And there's no person who can help you with that like a mentor. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So it's almost like he's teaching you copy and providing that feedback, but also helping you understand the bigger picture and how you fit into the organization and how to communicate within the organization. I feel like I'm listening. I'm like, I want a Patrick too. I want feedback on all my copy. So everybody deserves a Patrick. Everybody needs a Patrick. So I would love to hear more about how Stansberry Research fits into the big Agora picture. And I mean, we don't have to get into all the weeds, but I know for someone who's not familiar with the Agora companies, it's confusing, right? We don't understand all the companies that are connected to Agora. So can you just give us a brief overview? Oh, sure. This is something that I had to work out for myself prior to the interview and got more in touch with it at my orientation. So it's definitely not something that I think you would know automatically unless you're sort of seeing this inside view. So I like to think of Agora as this very wide umbrella that houses all of these very distinct publishing affiliates. So Sansbury Money Map and Agora Financial New Market, they're all separate publishing affiliates under the greater Agora family. And we all operate very, very independently. The one and only time I ever really needed to visit another Agora building even was when I was doing my HR orientation. And to sort of the nth degree, the one thing that pretty much every publisher under the Angora umbrella does differently is copy. As I said, I spent a summer at an Angora affiliate and got no exposure to copy whatsoever because it was all out-of-house copywriters, freelancers, sort of working in a vacuum. We didn't see anything until it was a finished product. So I think we're pretty unique in that we have a totally in-house copy team. Even the most senior members of the team, like these are the people who could be living the AWAI life like three hours a day on the beach, toes in the sand, laptop on their lap. They're still in the office at least once or twice a week as juniors are in every day. So that in-house copy element is something that maybe wouldn't immediately appeal to that kind of cowboy entrepreneurial attraction of copy, but actually I would argue is the best, fastest way to get on the fast track for learning how to do this thing. So Allison, what has surprised you the most in the eight months that you've been at Stansbury? Things that you've learned or the kinds of projects that you've worked on? What jumps out at you as things that maybe you didn't expect, but you're really happy that it's turned out that way? First of all, the willingness of the upper level and senior copywriters to take the time out of their days, go through your much lesser copy with a fine tooth comb was this huge pleasant surprise for me because I think there's kind of a misconception that, as I said before, that copywriters, especially really successful ones who have learned to do it kind of in a vacuum and on their own, are unapproachable or, you know, at the very least, 
pretty introverted. And if they get no benefit from looking through my copy, I mean, what leg do I have to stand on asking them to? But I have a team of five or six people who are all much higher up than I am, who I could send them my copy and they'd get me their feedback in an hour, in three hours, line by line edits outside of even Patrick. So it's good to get all those different perspectives as you're trying to sort of figure out your own voice and your own approach and what works best for you. And so that's been probably the most pleasant surprise is that people are just really generous. Time is the biggest resource and most precious resource that a copywriter has. And yet these multi-million dollar copywriters who I get to work with are so giving of that resource. It was a really pleasant surprise. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you're getting a lot of feedback from mentors that are committed to helping you succeed. I'm wondering what you're actually working on each day. Can you speak to the types of projects that you're working on in general? You know, as with most things, it really does depend on the day. But right now, I just wrapped up sort of the first push for our Stansberry conference. So I'm running point on all of the copy and copy for the Vegas conference. I have two front end ideas that I'm working on right now. Those are kind of kicking into gear this week and as the month progresses. And then I also have sort of a different kind of role at the, on the Stansberry team. I've taken over the copy management of the team. So that has really changed up my day-to-day. So I'm assigning projects. I'm running the schedule. I'm working with the copy team and the marketing team, the editorial team, to make sure that copy gets out the door smoothly and that everyone is aware of the packages that are going to end up in their laps for approvals. And so that has been really overwhelming, but really excited to take on because I feel like I am seeing sides of the business and learning how copy fits into the business on a more macro scale. And you can really learn any other way. So my days usually... Usually I'm writing in the mornings. By noon, I'm working on copy office hour schedules with editorial. I'm working on the Facebook group we just launched, editing other people's copy. Kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. So, and this is all, we should say, this is all out of their Baltimore office, right? Yeah. Right in Mount Vernon. Okay. I would love to hear about your writing process, whatever you're able to share. I know there's some Agora (laughs) secrets. So like when you're sitting down to work on a new project... What are you doing? What are you doing with a blank page? How do you approach it? It depends on the origin of the project because some of our stuff, especially on the back end, is dictated by our internal marketing calendar. So marketing has these ideas of products they want to be writing about, webinars they want to be doing, big events that would coincide and work well into copy, offers that we can play up. So those kind of projects, the idea kind of is in your lap and then you get going, which sort of cuts out those couple of weeks where you're trying to like cling on to a nugget of an idea and build it and build it. So on the back end, the concepts themselves are a little bit more laid out for you. But what I'm doing right now is working on front ends and we're doing a big push for front end copy and a lot more research. You're first responsible for two pieces, which is your first go at a headline and lead which gets sent through the copy review process, which we have twice a week. And your headline and leaner blindly scored on a scale of one to four. And you go and we meet for an hour every Monday and Thursday and we give feedback and people tell you what you did right, what you did wrong, give suggestions for ways to make the headline stronger and things that would make the lead more believable, more eye-catching. And then at the same time, you're kind of working on this giant research document where you're combing through everything you can trying to address any questions that could pop up along the way about your topic. And slowly but surely, 
that turns into this very scary 60-page research document, and it turns into your outline. So I would say that that's where you start, is with the big idea and the research. And you're usually building your document, and over the course of a few weeks, at the same time, you're sending new headlines and new leads to copy review every so often, trying to sort of put it in the most polished state that it can be and approve in the eyes of your peers. That's kind of the beginning of your writing process. And then once you have your headline and your lead and your research that has somewhere along the way morphed into a more digestible outline, you're pretty much ready to go and execute. So, Allison, are you working off of formulas as you work with Patrick and Mike and the other writers? You know, is there a framework that you're following as you put together front-end offers or is every single project approached with a blank slate and it's a do-over every time? Again, it kind of depends. I mean, I think that Patrick does a really good job of taking your ideas and saying, oh, this reminds me of this package. This reminds me of this package. Look up in the copy archive. See if you can rip off some of the structure. We had really successful offer copy from this package. See if you can kind of have a hybrid of these two structures. Right now, I'm working on a reheat as well, which that's one of the front-end projects that I'm working on right now. And that's totally different because I'm keeping the structure, I'm keeping the first three pages of copy and just sort of updating different numbers and factoids and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say there's necessarily a formula, but we are a big fan of the things that are tried and tested and have been proven to work. So if there's package that Patrick has stored and like the great anthology of successful packages that he keeps in his brain, he'll be the first to be like, oh, you have to check out the middle of this. They did a great proof building when they're talking about Porter's credibility or something like that. Pull from that, make it look like that. Yeah, no, this is such a great reminder that any copywriter listening, whether or not they work with Agora, you have your own archives, right? I tend to feel like I need to start from scratch every time I work with a new client and just like really get in there. And sometimes it's easy to forget that we all have archives of projects that have worked, not worked, and our own anthology and also copy we've swiped from other copywriters as well. So I'm listening. I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, like I could do this too, right? I have my own archives I need to access more often. It's really important to learn from what's worked and what has not worked. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if somebody's already done sort of the heavy lifting and the risk of testing that before, like take advantage of the things that you have done before. Exactly. It's smart. So I would love to hear about your biggest copywriting lesson that you've learned over the last however many months that you know could benefit other copywriters listening. It sounds so cliche, but it is so important in this industry, especially if you're just getting started out and you're kind of walking around on baby giraffe legs, is you don't necessarily have to embrace failure. Like I'm not going to get that gooey about it. Nobody really wants to fail. But fail as quickly and as epically as possible as soon as you can. That was the lesson that I learned in my own experience. We were doing this big push for microsites or mini websites is kind of a different way to get into some of our more successful front-end packages. So I was tasked by Patrick at his own copy to make a microsite for, it has a bunch of different names, Dow 50K, Last Bull Market, Melt Package. I was so stoked. I downloaded and taught myself this website mock-up software and like laid it all out and spent a week just like making this beautiful thing. And I sent it around and everyone thought it was so great and so amazing. And I was like, oh my God, it's my second month. I am great. And it sucked and had like a thousand dollar CPA three days that it was allowed to live. And it was a total kick in the gut. 
and a blind side because everyone thought it was just so great. But of course, it doesn't really matter. People think it's great if the market doesn't think it's great. But it was an awesome lesson because nobody died. I didn't spontaneously combust as they were telling me that it was a thousand dollar CPA, which is the first CPA I'd seen even broaching a thousand. Um, and it taught me that it's not personal and that nobody is going to take your failure and think that you're suddenly a bad copywriter. Copywriters in the game will tell you that you should set yourself up to take as many shots when goal is humanly possible because it's the only way to ensure that the failures and the successes balance themselves out. And it taught me to always be working on something else. So you can just shake it off and move on to the next. And it doesn't haunt me anymore that failed little sad about 50K micro site like it could have if I hadn't made the conscious decision to be like, that's a fail, that's move on. I love that lesson. We spoke with Joe Schrieffer, who's at another one of the Agora companies recently, and he said something real similar, You know that they try to crank through as many ideas as possible in order to find the winners. I'm curious what you do to find the big idea. What do you review or how much time do you spend researching? Where do your great ideas come from? Depends on who you ask. For me, at this stage, I'm thinking of big idea and execution in terms of learning how to come up with big ideas and learning how to execute is kind of 50-50 for my development. But anybody will tell you that big idea plus crappy copy equals win, bad idea plus amazing copy equals lose. So no matter what, the big idea is the most important part. And that's something that, because my background was in writing, I feel a lot more confident in my execution and a lot less confident in my big idea generation. So I probably spend a little extra time on that as much as I can at least staying up to date on every new piece of editorial and sort of staying up to date on all of the publications that I try to read every day, keeping my Google alerts firing on all cylinders, because it is hard. It's hard. And usually a big idea doesn't just like come right up to you and punch you in the face. We have our, now it's like hundreds of pages, we each have our idea generation document. And I find and we pitch, we have an idea pitching session for the juniors every Thursday. So we're responsible to at least have one pitchable, non-embarrassing big idea to present every week. And you find that over three weeks of me kind of zeroing in on the same thing, posting a different article every day, a different tidbit every single day, that adds up to one idea that I can maybe feel comfortable pitching on any given day. So it's hard. I mean, you look for this sort of epic convergence of something exciting and interesting that's happening in the real world that your market is interested in. That's more important. You could have the most interesting story that you think is just like going to be like the atom bomb dropping into the lads of the market. But if they don't care, if they have no interest in your corporate bonds, it does not matter. And something that aligns with what your editors are talking about and are interested in pushing. So it's like this perfect trifecta that's kind of hard to find. So I guess at this point, the more you read, the closer you are to the big idea. The more you know, the more you can see something and you've built that connection where you know that Dr. Steve Chagrud feels this way and you see a Google alert to a Wall Street Journal article that has a really exciting event that aligns with what he's saying, that's your moment you can hope for especially as kind of a, a budding copywriter. So that might not be the most helpful advice, but just stay on top of everything you're responsible for and record it all in one place so that eventually you can read through it and be like, there's something here. If I put all 27 of these pieces together, there's something here. That's kind of the best you can hope for. Yeah, well, it's such great advice. Just what you said, like basically just spend time reading through the research and reading relevant articles. And it sounds so obvious, yet it's something that so many of us copywriters 
rush through or maybe even skip entirely because we just want to jump into the copy and we don't spend the time really thinking about the research and connecting all the pieces, like you said, which is key. I mean, I know I've moved through it very quickly on deadline at times as well. So it's a really great reminder. Yeah. And I like the writing so much more than I like the research. So that has been like my pain point that I've had to constantly force myself to be like, there is nothing without the idea. You could write beautiful Shakespearean copy and no one will read it because no one cares. Right. Yeah. So Allison, if someone, a copywriter listening is like, okay, this, again, I'm going general, the Agora companies, this sounds interesting. I'm intrigued. What do you think they should know to help them decide if this is something that may be a good opportunity for them? And again, I'm not speaking to Stansberry specifically, but just like in general, what should they know about the Agora companies and think about to help them determine if this is a good opportunity for them? I'm familiar with the perception of Agora in the copy industry. I'm so new to the industry itself that I don't know if I've really seen in full force like the real breadth of that reputation, but it's not going to be right for everyone. But I think I'm kind of living proof that it could be right for pretty much anyone because I couldn't have been less experienced than I was when I started at Sansbury, but it's a testament to their sort of hiring philosophy, which is that they're looking for attitude over aptitude. So if you resonate with sort of more the philosophy of Agora, which is all about hard work and hustle and being willing to give so much of your time and energy into learning this really exciting skill, then it could be right for anybody. And when I sat down with Mike to kind of talk about my talk for the Copywriter Club event, the live event in New York City and everything, he was the first person to say right away that there is an endless demand for copy at Agora. The opportunity is there. And he stands by the idea that Anybody with enough grit and enough scrap to their name can get a job here and make it big. And with all of the changing and evolving marketing channels, we need more supplementary copy than ever because nobody is going to see your beautiful length VSLs anymore without a whole lot of help at the top of the funnel. And we have a team of, I think it's 19 now, and there's always more that we could be writing, always more than we could be testing. So, I mean, even if you have no experience, it can never hurt to reach out to somebody with your ideas or even just something as simple as writing an advertorial or ad set for a promo you can see is running and working, that means that you're adding value without even having to be asked. And I mean, we're, Agora is a community of people who live to test, so they will test it. And if it performs well, that's how you get noticed and that's how you get your foot in the door. So I, I don't want to say it's, it's not as hard as it looks, but it's really not. It seems to me one of the advantages of working at a place like Agora is that you don't have to be on the treadmill of constantly finding new clients and invoicing and starting new projects. You've got this steady flow of work. Tell us a little bit, if we can, about how writers are compensated at Stansbury. What's the potential? Where A lot of people struggle to make $40,000 a year as freelancers. What's the potential that someone like you as a beginning copywriter at a place like Stansbury could be making? The base salary for copywriters at Stansberry is 52000 And royalties, that's what people get into copywriting in the first place. So Agora copywriters, it's not a myth. They're well compensated. There are a ton of opportunities. The marketing calendar is vast. It is very easy to get your copy out the door and testing and generating revenue for the company and for yourself. So, And that kind of corporate structure helps your personal bottom line a lot. 
just that you're in this position where you're working every single day on sure thing projects on top of a base salary. So, I mean, someone like me with no experience and looking at, you know, other marketing jobs, which, you know, my agency position would be like probably $35,000 a year. I feel like I've walked into a dream world. Yeah, I bet a lot of copywriters listening are like, oh, okay, this is for me. I want in. (laughs) I'm curious to hear, are you making royalties yet? Or does that happen at a certain point after your one year mark or so forth? Nope, I'm making royalties. I can't speak to how that's done across Agora, but anything that you write and put out there is on the map for royalties. We share them with our mentors for this first mentorship period. That's kind of a new structure that they're testing. Patrick will be with us for at least 18 months, but it's real. It happens. (laughs) Royalties are real. Royalties are real. It's great. I was going to say, it's almost like you're being paid 52 plus royalties, thousands of dollars to learn how to be a copywriter. What a great deal. (laughs) Right. Like Rob and I are shutting down the Copywriter Club podcast and we're moving to Baltimore (laughs) with our families. It's an amazing city. I've grown up here. That's another thing. I'm going rogue here, but Baltimore, I've lived here my whole life. I went to college here. Um, It's not like the wire. (laughs) And I have never felt threatened in my time in Baltimore City. It has great culture, a ton of personality. And I just wish I could show everybody what it's like to be in historic Mount Vernon because it is so beautiful. Even just the architecture would be something I don't consider myself someone who like has an understanding or interest in architecture. But like it is amazing to be around these beautiful historic brownstones that have been in the Agora family for decades. And I mean, if that's getting in the way, if that is a hang up for anybody, if there's one takeaway from listening to this podcast is that Baltimore is awesome. (laughs) Well worth a try. Everyone move to Baltimore. Okay, so if someone is listening and they are curious, do they need to attend one of these boot camps? Or like, what is the easiest way to get in front of the right people and figure out if this is a good option? Apparently, this boot camp was just like an experiment. Oh, (laughs) I know. Bummer. There's no like confirmed next, like next copy class that they want to bring in. The last one that they did was about an altered version of it. it was about four years ago. And that was where some of the senior juniors and more experienced writers came in. But and I'm going to touch on this. I'm going to give everybody at the event a really concrete way, like an assignment and an email address that could help them get some airtime with people on the Stansberry team. But if you can just write an advertorial and ad set for a piece of copy that's working, do all of the research and reading that is necessary. At most, you can do without like being employed. I know there's a limit there, like your access editorial content and everything like that. But even just sending that along to an email address on the website, there's a really good chance that it will be seen and it could be tested. So it's, it's an initial, like, even if they're not constantly hiring copywriters on LinkedIn or Glassdoor, everybody is constantly hiring copywriters. It's just the idea of kind of making your own shot before you take it, which can be kind of hard and kind of counterintuitive in the corporate world. You think that everything's going to be a job listing. But the best advice I could give that is straight from the horse's mouth of the people that do the hiring at Sansbury is to write something for one of the packages and send it in. Yeah, no, that's great advice, especially to help you stand out immediately. So we will also include information on our website, on this podcast page for this interview with additional information, how you can get in touch with 
the recruitment team at the Agora companies and some specific directions if you are listening and you are very much interested. So Allison, I would like to just hear if you could tease your talk. Like you mentioned, you are one of our speakers at TCC in real life, which is coming up quickly. So really excited for your presentation and to meet you in person. And of course, not everyone listening will be there, but we are recording everything. So they may be able to access it after. But for everyone who will be there, can you just kind of tease it and get everyone excited about what you're going to talk about? The idea is that from beginning to end, when I'm first seeing this job description on Glassdoor to be eight months in and managing the copy team and having some success under my belt, there's one thing that has enabled me to get noticed and stay noticed at Stansberry. And it's this one skill that anybody can tap into and hone and build and build until you can really flex it and leverage it to your advantage at any time for the rest of your copy career. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be revealing that one skill and three really concrete ways that you can build it that I'm going to be challenging everybody to kind of join me in the good fight to build this skill and have a really successful copywriting career, whether you're going to take me up on an opportunity at Stansberry or fight the good fight as a freelancer too. Yeah, now I've got to go to the event to find out what you're going to talk about. Oh no! (laughs) Right, I was going to say, we know what you're talking about and I feel like I'm more intrigued now, even though I know what it is. We're really looking forward to your talk and the event overall and meeting you in person and hanging out with some of the people there from Agora. I think it's going to be a fantastic opportunity just to get to know you guys better, to know more about your team. So we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. There's always a lot to know. You know, this is such a great opportunity for people at the event to really like stand in front of you and talk to you. But for people listening who are not going to be there, can they reach you directly or email you yeah. or contact you? Like the weirdest thing ever to say, but like, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's probably the best way without me having to like spell out an email address and stuff like that. So yeah, and I'll bond. Um, okay. Come talk to me at the event. I am like one of those weird, rare, extroverted copywriter people. What? What? I know. So I would love to talk to you. (laughs) You have a superpower and an advantage over everyone else there as an introvert who's like, oh my gosh, what am I getting myself into? That's great. Okay, Allison, we really appreciate your time and all the insights that you shared from your experience so far at Agora and at Stansberry. It's really exciting. I mean, I think you really did sell both of us. I'm like, I just want to go get my Patrick. Drive up to the building. (laughs) You're convincing us. (laughs) Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. 